mention this just briefly in our, as I was mentioning our prayer requests, needs. But on Monday, I went to this funeral of this, this young man, John Workman, who had passed away in, a, in an auto, automobile accident this past week. And his funeral was, was down at the church in Fort Wayne. And it was such a, a beautiful funeral, if you could say that. But it really was just the outpouring of love and and knowing knowing it was a, a man who who gave everything to the Lord makes things a little bit easier. Amen. Knowing that it's somebody who is living their life for the Lord, we have scripture that tells us that that we don't mourn as others mourn. Amen. Because we have a hope in Jesus Christ. And hearing his, his siblings uh, just going to share their heart, these, these young siblings, and then his father just talking about about John. And, and there was something that his father said about running a race. You know, we're all running a race. Every every one of us is running a race. Paul alludes to it, and in, in fact, we can see that here in First Corinthians chapter nine. Verse 24, this is a scripture that his father brought out as he was speaking in this funeral. It's, this is Paul speaking here, but he says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain. Amen. And his, his father was used this scripture and just, just something he said just, just stuck with me. I, I hadn't necessarily thought of it in this in this context but it says there's only one that receives the prize they that run in the race they're they're all running but only one receives the prize and the fact is that everybody is running in their own race it's thankfully this is not this is not talking about the fact that only one will receive the prize of glory that only one out of, out of all of us would make it to heaven, but rather the fact is that every one of us is running the race and, and let's run the race so that we can receive that prize at the end of the day. At the end of our life, at whenever that time comes, let us run so that we can obtain that prize. You can just imagine a, a stadium that's, that's full and they're cheering there. Uh, in fact, we've, well, I guess, I guess I shouldn't say this, this past Olympics because it wasn't a full stadium, but typically with, with an Olympic race or a, some kind of a, a race, you have a, a stadium full of people and they're cheering as they're nearing the finish line. And, and you can, you can imagine that as these athletes are in this race, they're, they're competing for the prize. And, and that's, you know, we, we have those around us. And I want to be the one that's cheering others on. Amen. I want to be the one that's cheering you on in your race. Uh, tonight, I want to I just want to talk on this subject of running to win. Running to win. All of us ought to be pursuing that finish line. We ought to be pursuing that, saying, I want to win this race. I want to finish on top. I want to finish in such a way that that I would receive the prize at the end of the day. 
See, life is a race. I'm, I'm sure you, you've heard of it in, in the, those terms that life is a rat race. And, and I don't want it to be necessarily a rat race. I don't want it to be that I'm just spinning my wheels. I don't want it to be that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm constantly busy just doing, going from here to there, here to there. But, but the fact is that we are in a race. Like a race, life has a challenging course with a lot of ups and downs. When I was in school, I, uh, I, I ran cross country. We, uh, we would always wear these, sh- these shirts that would have sayings on the back. One of the common sayings was, my sport is your sport's punishment. And I don't, I don't know why I liked to run, but I, I, I got some enjoyment out of it and uh, was, I was not the best runner on the, on the team, but I, I was the one that yeah, I'd get out and, and you enjoyed some of the ups and downs of the course. There were some courses that we went to that they were just, it was just flat. We went to How Military. And uh, How Military is the flattest course you could run. There was, there was no ups, no downs. You're just running a flat race. When, but when you came to Prairie Heights, where I went to school, you were out in the, out in the woods. You had, you had hills up and down. We had, in fact, we had an invitational that we would run, and, and there was, for some reason, the big schools from Fort Wayne, Bishop Dwanger, Northrop, these really good cross-country teams, they would always come up to Prairie Heights, to the little tiny farm school at Prairie Heights, and they said, it's because we like your course. We like the ups and the downs. We like where the, how it's laid out. We like the hills and the valleys. We, we like, this is their coach talking, not necessarily the runners, but the coach liked it at least. But there was some enjoyment about the fact that there's ups and downs. The reality is that's how life is as well. If it's on a track, if you're, if you're running a race on a track, it's, there's, there's still some ups and downs as far as the competition goes. There's ups and there's downs. There's emotional highs and emotional lows. See, like a race, life, it, it has a judge who decides where we place at the end. There's, there's a, a finish line that we are going for. Just like a race, life has a finish line. There's going to be an end. Every one of us is at one point going to come to the end of the race. Whether that finish line comes when, when we meet, uh, when, when we, when we come to the end of our life and we have death or, and, and, and death consumes us or else the rapture will take place. There will be a finish line. Like a race, life ends with the winners receiving their rewards. Amen. I want you to remember that. There is a reward. There is a reason that we're running this race because there's a reward that I'm looking forward to. And it's, it is, it is frightening the number of, of people here in, here in America, I'm sure around the world as well. The number of people who would identify themselves as Christians who, who do not believe in a literal hell. They, they might believe in, in heaven, but they, they don't believe in hell. And, and, and the reality is there is going to be an end of the race and there will, there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. 
And at the end of the race, there is going to be a reward. There is going to be something that I'm striving for. And I, I want to one day see Jesus Christ on the other side of the finish line. Amen. I am, I can't wait for that day. Amen. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, so let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Sometimes we can get a little impatient about it. Get a little Impatient about this race that we are in. But, but let's, let's just run this, this race with patience. Let's, let's run this and realize that there's going to be some hills and some valleys. And maybe you're just starting in this race here tonight. But, but I want you to know that, that it's worth it. This race is worth it. And there is going to be something that, that's worth having some patience as we are running this race. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. This is Paul speaking at the end of his life. I think I just referenced this, this uh, verse a couple services ago. With 2 Timothy, uh, he, he writes here, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. There is a crown that's waiting. Now, now from the world's perspective, the world's perspective, winning the race is based on your intelligence. Are, are you smarter? Are you the one that's going to receive all the respect because of your intelligence? Uh, that's because, uh, you know, if you can get all the degrees, if you can make sure that you are, are advancing in your company because of, of all the, the knowledge and the intelligence that you have, then you are winning the race. From the world's perspective, winning the race is based on your wealth. The more money that you have, the happier you'll be. From, from the world's perspective, winning the race is based on your image. You know, the better that you appear, the more popular you'll be. The better that you can um, make yourself out to be online and have some fake persona that's not really you, but it's, it seems as if this, is, this life is your, or is, is really who you are. It's all about your image, creating a, a, a certain image of who you are. And if you could do that, then you're a winner. And from the world's perspective, from the world's perspective, it's, it's about power. Uh, it's winning the race is, is about, you know, who's the strongest one? Who is the one who has the most control? But none of that is what winning the race looks like from God's perspective. It's not about intelligence. It's not about wealth. It's not about the, the image that you have, that you portray. It's not about how much power and control you have. From God's perspective, winning is based on something else entirely. We can, we can see in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, it says, I returned and I saw under the sun that the race 
It's not to the swift. The battle is not to the strong. The, the bread, is, it doesn't go to the wise. The, the, yet the riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to the men of skill. But time and chance happens to them all. We, we each have our share of bad luck. It says, when you're going through life, well, you, you know this to be true. That you have the hard workers that they're not always the ones that get rewarded. You have the ones that they seem to have all the wisdom and the intelligence and the skill, but they're not always the ones who end up on top. You would think, you would think that they would, because that's the world's pursuit. But, but that's not how it always ends up. You may, you may not like this principle of life, but the fact is you can't do anything about the fact that life is not fair. Come on, we tell our kids that all the time, right? <laughs> Life's not fair. But the ins- yet sometimes we forget that, that life is not fair. And we see that our, our human handicap is that we can try so hard and keep on trying and, to, to, and saying, I, I want to succeed at this, I want to succeed, but then you still fail. Sometimes through no fault of your own. See, time and chance happens to us all. Running the race and trying to do it through all of these things that that we would perceive as getting ahead in life, there's going to be times when we're trying to get get ahead in life and win the race according to the world, and it still feels as if we come out as a loser. And sometimes through that, we can start to blame God. Sometimes we have those who, who going through life, you say, God, I, I, I'm starting this journey with you. I'm going to serve you. And now my life better shake out the way that it should according to, according to my thinking of, of, of how my serving you means that everything's going to work out in my life. And while I believe that this is the best life, that, that serving God is the best life that you could live, the reality is still sometimes life's not fair. Still there's going to be times when at the end of the day you say, why did you allow this to happen, God? God, why, why, did, this, why, why did this happen in my life? It's not fair. And the reality is God, He, he, he didn't cause that to happen. He didn't, he, he's not punishing you for some reason, but, but you're going through things and, and re, you just need to realize God is still there with you. Don't give up on this path. Don't give up because, because what you perceive as, as, as go, coming back in the race, what you, as, what you perceive as, as, as getting behind, God doesn't perceive that at all. Just keep advancing in the race. Keep going. Keep serving God. And as long as you keep serving God, it doesn't matter what your life situations look like. You're still winning the race as long as you stay anchored to God. As long as you say, God, I'm running in this race to win. And my winning doesn't look like what the world says it looks like. Because those around me in my circle, they may say, you give up on God. He's failed you. But I say, 
You may think that because from your perspective, it doesn't look like I'm winning in life. But as, but if I give up on God, then I've lost everything. What, what about Job? You look at Job. It sure looked like Job was losing the race. Everything in his life fell apart. Everything began to, began to crumble around him. His, his, his family, all, all of his children died. All of his uh, livestock was, um, was, it was taken away from him. All these things, everything was taken away. His, his health was taken from him. All of this. And, and he has his, his friends around him, even his wife saying, just give up. Just curse God and die. Forget about it. He says, why would I do that? As long as I have God, I'm still winning the race. As long as I'm clinging to God, then I'm still winning the race. I don't care about all these other circumstances in my life that when, from your perspective, it appears as if I'm falling behind in this race. For me, as long as I have God, then I am in the lead. Run to win the race. Run to win the race. Don't listen to the voices around you that are telling you, give up. Stop. Don't listen to the things even in your own mind. Maybe it's not somebody else, but in you, you're saying, all right, it's about time to give up. This is getting too hard. If you give up, you've lost the race. If you give up, you have lost the race right then. Continue to serve God. There is a finish line that God has for us, and not everybody's life is going to look the same. I wish it did. I wish. I wish that serving God meant that it was smooth sailing. I, I, man, I, I wish that that was the case. That when we serve God, it just means that everything in life is going to go easy. But that's not how God intended it for it to be. We got to trust Him. We got to lean on Him. We got to keep running the race. Life is not fair. Time and chance it happens to everyone. Uh, Romans, uh, sorry. Let's uh, Matthew chapter five. Verse 45 says, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. It's on both. The just and the unjust, the evil, the good. There's, we, we look around and we see those being blessed. It doesn't make sense whether we are blessed. I mean, just realize that all these things that are being, uh, being had here in this life, that's not really what the race is all about. The world views success as being number one. But God's view of success means making Him number one. Let's look at Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 verse 16. It says, so then, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that shows mercy. It's not the one who has the strongest will. It's not the one who, who, who's, who's trying to just run this race the fastest, but, but the fact that God shows mercy. God is there, and he will extend a hand to those who continue to keep him, number one. It's not about running the, running the race the fastest. It's not about the one who has the strongest will. And I believe that we need to have a will in us that continues to pur- uh, pursue him, and that we need to continue running the race but I'm thankful that God's mercy would, would reach down to us in the time where it gets tough to keep running that race. 
when it gets time to have, or, or gets tough uh, to, to keep that will to serve him through the trials and the things that we're going through. I'm thankful for his mercy when it would come down and it would help us. Amen. We need to keep him number one. Let's keep God number one in this life. There's no question that the race of life is going to be full of disappointment. There's no question about the fact there's going to be discouragement and defeat that will come your way. But we can overcome all of that if we just keep our hope in Jesus Christ. If we just keep our hope in Him, then we can overcome all the discouragement, all the defeat, all the ups and the downs of life. Let's keep Him number one. I I heard a, a story recently about... Uh, in Olympic Games a long time ago, Olympic Games is in 1968. In fact, this this took place at, at 7 p.m. on October 20th, 1968. There were a few thousand spectators that remained there in Mexico City in the Olympic Stadium. It was cool. It was dark. And the re- the last of the marathon runners, each of them exhausted, were being carried off to first aid stations. More than an hour earlier. Memo Wold of Ethiopia, then something's never changed. The fact that Ethiopians are winning the marathons. But Memo Wold of Ethiopia, looking as fresh as when he had started the race, he crossed that finish line. This is 26 mile race, a marathon. As the remaining spectators prepared to leave, those sitting near the marathon, uh, the marathon gates, they suddenly heard the sound and some sirens and some police uh, police whistles and all their eyes, they turned to that marathon gate and a lone figure who was wearing the colors of Tanzania entered into that stadium. An hour after the first who had crossed the finish line. His name was John Stephen Akwari. He was the last man to finish the marathon. His leg was bloodied, it was bandaged, it was severely, he had been severely injured in a fall during the race. He grimaced with each step that he was taking, and he he hobbled there around the last 400 meters of that track before he came to the finish line. And the spectators, they rose and they applauded him, just as if he was the very first one to finish that race. I think it's, it's, it's awesome to see that when that takes place. Perhaps you've seen those who, through... Uh, through injury or through some kind of, of, of fall during a race, you've seen those who have come to the finish line. And I'm sure that all of them who, who, who want to just finish that race, all of them have the same reasoning for, for doing so as, as this man from Tanzania that day. Because when he was asked, why don't you just give up? You're obviously injured. Why, why didn't you just give up in this race? And he, he said... My country didn't send me 7,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 7,000 miles to finish the race. Well, what an awesome attitude to have. I'm in this to finish. I'm in this to finish the race. It's not about just starting the race. This, the, the race, it can go and it looks like, come on, that I'm getting way far behind somebody else. But it's okay if I'm behind. I'm going to finish the race. I'm going to finish the race. It's not me against you. It's not me against the person beside me. It's about me getting to the finish line.
Come on, that's what it's about for you. Let's finish the race. I'm running to win the race. That doesn't mean I'm running against the person who finished an hour before me. I'm running to win my race. I'm running to get to the finish line. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters into that within the veil. But I want to focus there on that first part, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. We, we read, um, there's, there's a group of us in the church that a couple months ago, we read a book called The Hope Quotient, just a powerful, powerful book. Uh, about hope and what hope can do in our life. And, and, and I love this, this passage here of the scripture. It says that hope is an anchor of the soul. The Bible says it's an anchor of the soul. The anchors, anchors, what do they do? They stabilize. They keep you from drifting. With, without an anchor, a, a boat it's just at the mercy of the waves and the, the winds, and the currents without, and the same is true that without hope, without hope to carry us through, we're at the mercy of life's unpredictable weather. We're at the mercy of all these ups and downs in our life, but we must cling to hope. Don't give up hope. Don't stop having hope. I believe it was uh, Eli Weisel, author of, of um, Night and some other, a uh, couple other novels and, and real life tellings of, of the Holocaust. He himself was a Holocaust survivor. And he said that you can live without water, you can live without food. I don't remember the exact quote, I don't have it written down, but it says, You cannot live for a moment without hope. You cannot live for a moment without hope. We must have hope. In fact, this is the fact that hope is an anchor of the soul. I love when you look at this word hope in, in the Hebrew. It's this word tikva. Tikva, which literally means a cord. And that word tikva, it comes from, you see it in, see it in, their word, in that word. It comes from this word kava, Q-U, or sorry, Q-A. V-A-H, which that word means to bind together by twisting. It's like, like a braid of rope. Hope is this cord. It's this, this braid of rope that's twisted together. And hope, it connects us to the throne of God. That's exactly what hope does. Is it keeps us connected to the throne of God. Don't give up hope as you're running this race. Do not give up. Don't cut that rope that is connecting you to the throne room of God. That same Hebrew word that we see translated as wait in Isaiah 40, 31. You see the scripture there, Isaiah 40, 31. It says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word wait is that same word, uh, tikva, uh, there in it, which means a cord. It's the hope. They that continue to have that hope. They wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. Come on, we need to remain connected to God. That, that hope, it brings us renewed strength in this race of life. It, it, if we run connected to God, here's, here's, here's the end thing. That if you run connected to God, then you win the race. 
Don't cut the rope. Don't cut this strand of hope. Don't, don't cut this. Don't, don't look at your life and say, I'm just, I'm, I've gone too far. I've messed up too much. I'm, I've made too many mistakes. I'm just going to cut it off right now and walk away. As soon as you cut that and make that decision, I'm walking away, you've lost the race. Keep the connection. You may make mistakes. You may fall. You may feel like a failure. Don't cut the rope. Stay connected to God. Stay connected to the church. Keep coming to the church. Be faithful. Come on. Do not walk away in the midst of despair. Do not walk away in the midst of feeling as if you're a failure. Continue running the race. Don't give up in the race in the midst of failure. Continue to run the race. Come on. We need somebody to be an encourager of somebody else that they feel as if they've made too many mistakes. We need somebody in this place to be an encourager of somebody around us that you haven't seen here in a while. And they've cut, they're, they're getting ready. They're about to make the decision. I'm going to just cut the cord. I'm going to cut this and stop trying to run the race. Be an encourager. Don't cut the rope. Keep hope. Keep connected to God. Keep running the race. You can do this. Get back up. Get back in the, go on, get back in the saddle. Get back in the race. Let's continue running. On those around us may say, you've lost. You're too far behind. As long as you're connected to Jesus Christ, you're not too far behind. That's the beautiful thing about him. Is it's not about trying to outpace everybody else. It's about staying right with him. Staying connected. That's, that's what that's what the, the parable about those who are out and and you have the, uh, the the man who owns all these fields and he hires the laborers for the fields and 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 you have those that they've been working for a long time and out in the fields and and you have those that that they they come in throughout the day and they're they're looking for a job and he, he continues to hire all throughout the day and and at the end of the day there's just there's an hour left half hour left and he's still hiring those in to, the, to be laborers in the field and then at the end they all receive the same wages for the day when you you may come into this at at you may know somebody who who just coming into this at at a late stage in their life but they're going to get the same prize. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about God. Is it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter if you've tried to, 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 to win in, in the world's race of life all your life. But then you get connected to Jesus. At some point, you're going to receive the prize. Amen. I don't get jealous of somebody. Well, of that fact, I don't, you know, if you're the one that's been running the race the whole time, don't get jealous about it. Come on, just thank God. God, I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep the race. Come on, the ride, the prize is worth it for us all. Don't give up. Amen. I want to look at some of the wrong ways to run the race because there are some wrong ways to run. I remember one time when I was I was running a race uh, when I was in, in cross country and, and if you're not familiar with that sport there's a uh, a course layout uh, that they have and it's all marked out by by flags of of different colors and you have these um, 
blue or a red flag, these, these different flags. One means you turn left, the other one means you turn right at the flag, got to go around the flag and all this. And it's all, of course, it's all marked out, but uh, sometimes they'll have you do some loops and, uh, and, and you'll, you'll run the race. And I remember one time when I, I got a little bit mixed up in the race and, and I made a wrong turn and you had to go back. You can't just cut it off. You can't just, uh, you know, it's, it's, it would have been nice. I would have been cutting off some, some time. Probably might have actually won the race. But they would have had some questions of how I did it. So I had to turn around and I had to, I had to run back through the way that I came and, and make the right turn. And, and there's, there's wrong ways to run the race. There's wrong ways to run this race of life as well. The first thing that we need to be careful of is that we do not run religiously without power. This race is not about just running it according to all the rules and, and trying to just follow everything like this and that and having, as it says in 2 Timothy 3, 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. He says, if that's the case, he says, turn away from anybody that's like that. Turn away from anybody. Uh, if that's you, if you're noticing that in your life, you have a form of godliness, but you don't have any power, turn away. Let's, let's get back on the right course. See, the Pharisees, they were religious, but they went through the motions without a real experience. They knew the right words to say. They knew how to appear, but they had little reality or, or genuine relationship with God. On this, this, this race, has got to be about relationship. It's got to be about a connective uh, relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Who he, when he came, he saved you from your sins. And from that point on, it's about me living in relationship with him. Not about, all right, this is the rule. I need to do this and then this and then this. No, I want to walk not with just a form of godliness. But I want to walk with the power of God in my life. To run this race, the power of God in my life. Matthew 22, verse 29 Jesus is responding here, and he said to them, you do err, not knowing the scriptures, know the power of God. You, you have, you're trying to, to run this race, but you're doing it wrong, because you don't understand the very power of God. You have not tapped into the fact that when you are in relationship with him, when you have his spirit, you have the power of God. Revelation 3.1 says to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. You have a name that thou livest and art dead. These, these things, this, this, this church that uh, this is missing something. They're missing the power they 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 have they have some uh, some aspect of godliness, but you're dead. It's like you're the walking dead. You're walking through life as as a dead person. See, Zach, Zacharias, who was a uh, who was the father of John the Baptist. I think about him and in the fact that he he was a man who he served in the temple. He had the privilege of of coming into the presence of God. On a regular basis. 
He was in the temple every week performing his religious duties. He was worshiping faithfully. But when God broke into his life, he couldn't respond with faith because he had gotten so used to the status quo. When God came in and began to speak to him about you are going to have a child, he was in disbelief. That's why he comes out, he's deaf. God, God uh, uh, kind of changes him and, 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 and proves to him that what I'm saying is, is going to come to pass. But when it happened, he, he responds in disbelief, even though he'd been in the presence of God on a weekly basis, on a, on a regular basis, where most people at that time had, did, had no opportunity for that. See, we can't get so used to the presence of God that we're just going through the motions. It's not about just checking the box saying, I attended church. I was there. I'm good. I came. I, I filled my seat. I paid my tithes. I did, I, I did my dues. And that's going to cut it. It's not. That's not what God's looking for. God is not looking for us to just check some boxes and to say, all right, I've paid my way. I can have entrance into heaven. No, this is about coming and responding in such a way that his power can come and begin to move through you and you would respond to him and let his power go to work. I mean, there's a problem. The problem with running religiously without power is that the power of God is what will sustain you in this life. That the power of God is what will, is what is necessary to carry you into the next life. You need the power of God. You need His Spirit. His Spirit, the, the, His Spirit which gives us power is what's going to to, uh, enable us to be carried into this next life. Second thing, the second wrong way to run is that you would be running from your enemies. Running from your enemies. Now, obviously, there's going to be times in your life when we should avoid physical confrontations, physical things, uh, if at all possible. And there's, there's some oppressive situations that at times that you need to get away from. However, one thing that we should never fr- flee from is our spiritual enemies. You shouldn't be scared. You shouldn't flee flee from. It's hard to say. Flee from. You shouldn't run away from your your spiritual enemies. Hebrews 12, verse 12 tells us, uh, it says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. That word feeble. In, in this word, in, in this verse, it, it's this word um, in the Greek, uh, paraleo or paraluo. And that's that's where we get our our work, uh, our our word paralyzed, our English word paralyzed. See, fear paralyzes our lives. That's that's what happened to Israel. Israel, when they. Uh, when they came into the land of Canaan, when they came into this, this place and uh, they had been delivered from Egypt, miraculously delivered from Egypt, they come across the wilderness, they get to the place of Canaan, they see these giants in the land of Canaan. And here's what they wanted. They wanted God to deal with the Canaanites the same way that he dealt with the Egyptians without them having to fight at all. But when that didn't occur, they lost their confidence. They, lost, they, 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 they were paralyzed with fear. And the next step 
was a really predictable step. They began to magnify their enemy's power above their own and even above God's power. And they, they were running life's race the wrong way. And, and by doing that, it, it began to distort their vision. It began uh, to, to magnify, you know, what the enemy looks like. And, and you see them as, as bigger and stronger. But, but the reality is, I want to be, this is kind of fast forward a bit, but I want to be like, uh, like David, when David, he looks at, uh, at, uh, Goliath and, and he says, I see you and all your, your stature and all this, but I come to you in the name of the Lord because I look at him and I'm not magnifying you and all of your stature and everything that you bring to the table. I'm magnifying the Lord. I'm magnifying him. I'm going to make him larger because no matter what you present, I know that my God is bigger. Everyone else around us has been paralyzed. This, uh, this army has been paralyzed for far too long. Looking at the stature and magnifying our, this enemy that's before us. But I want to magnify God. So this is what happens when you begin to run from your enemies. Maybe you have some things that have been going on in your life. And it feels as if the enemy just keeps attacking one time after another, one thing after another. And you're running this race and through, uh, of life and it's like, man, I am just sick and tired of the enemy's attacks. And you crawl into a hole. Well, it's, it's a response that sometimes we have. We get paralyzed in fear and we say, I don't know if I can continue this race. And I've heard that so many times before. Of people that are like, my life was actually... A whole lot better before I turned my turned over to God, and it seems like ever since I've done that, like the enemy just keeps attacking me one time after another, and that's exactly, yeah, he he, he will do that, and he will try to paralyze you. But the response that we have to have is not to be paralyzed with fear, to feel like, okay, I'm going to give up in this race after all these spiritual attacks, these things that are happening in my life. Don't blame that on God. Don't get paralyzed in fear and then, then feel like the best option is to, to walk back and to go back to where you came from. Because when you do that, yes, the enemy will subside and he'll come, he might go back into the background, but he's working the same into your life in, as far as this race in God's perspective is, is, matters because because you have lost the race then you've succumbed to the enemy you've you've run from them and they've won don't run from the enemies face them head on when you feel the spiritual attacks don't get paralyzed by fear come to them in the name of the lord in prayer saying god i know that you're on my side i'm not going to magnify the things that are coming against me i'm not going to look at them as something that i cannot overcome i'm not going to look at them as something that will destroy my life that my family's life i'm not going to look at them as something that god you are not bigger than because whatever the financial problems may be whatever the, the relationship problems may be god they're not bigger than you are don't magnify them to be bigger than the God that you serve. And you may just be learn, just starting this journey with God, just starting to run this race, and it feels as if these things are really big. It feels as if these enemies are really, really big, but just know that your God, He is bigger than whatever it is that your enemy wants to throw your way. Do not run from your enemies. Numbers 13 33, it says that there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. 
And so we were in their sight. They magnified their enemies. They were like these huge, huge men that we were just like little tiny grasshoppers in their sight. What about God? What about the God who had just delivered them miraculously from Egypt? Didn't he make them look like little tiny grasshoppers? A whole lot smaller than a grasshopper, in fact. If they would have just magnified God and said, in fact, you had two that did, Joshua and Caleb. They said, yeah, we, see, we saw them, but I also know a God that's bigger and that's able. Amen. They were the only ones who were able to go in and just defeat them. In fact, I love the attitude that Caleb had as an old man when they finally did enter into that land. He says, I'm going to take my mountain. It doesn't matter who's coming against me. I'm going to go in and I'm going to fight them at an old feeble age. I know that God is still with me and I'm able to go. And I've seen the men. I've seen them in their large stature. But I'm going to take my mountain and I will obtain that promise that God gave me. Hmm. There's a quote from Mark Twain. He said, uh, he says, I'm an old man. I've known a great many troubles, but most of them have never happened. That's the reality in our life. A lot of times we just get scared by a whole lot of troubles that never end up, never end up happening. I've known a great many troubles. Most of them never even happened. I mean, the next thing. Next thing is that we can run wrong, run this race wrong if we begin to run with our enemies. Judas Iscariot definitely ran the wrong way in life's race. I believe that Judas started with, with good motives. I believe that he was, just as the other disciples, the same, wanting to pursue God's kingdom, wanting to pursue, uh, pursue the things of God. And, if, and he saw what he believed to be the Savior the Messiah, the promised one. But he had the same understanding of what the Messiah was going to do as, as pretty much all of the other disciples. We see that all of them believed that Jesus was going to come and politically bring them back into a place of prominence. Israel would come back into a place of prominence. He would set them free from the bondage of Rome. That's what all the disciples believed. Jesus kept trying to pound it through their through their heads, saying, hey, this, this is not how it's going to take place. But Judas, he got so disenchanted, I believe he got so disenchanted with that, that he's like, okay, if that's not going to happen, then forget him. He must not be the Messiah. He must not be the one that was promised. And began to, to he, he stop running the race, Pursuing God, and instead he ran, began running with the enemies, and and he goes. We we know the story. He went to the uh, the Pharisees, the ones that the temple. He he got the money, the thirty pieces of silver, and and he's the one who sold out Jesus Christ. However, when Jesus when Jesus uh, came, I believe that there was, or when, when Jesus was uh, uh, when his his life was given for uh, for this this payment that that Judas had. had been paid, I still believe that Judas had an opportunity that he could have repented. But instead, he became disillusioned, became bitter. All of that, he ended his life because of this fact that he began to run the race with the enemies. Galatians 
5, 7 says that you did run well, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? You were running this race really well. And then something came along and it hindered you. And now you're not living obediently. Now you're not running the race anymore. You're running with your enemies. You gave up. Don't give up in the race. Don't run. See, the problem is, is sometimes we think if I can, you know, I can, I can step out and I can begin to run with them for a bit and I may come back. I may be able to get back into this race with God, but there is no promise that you will get back to running with God. There is no promise of that. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1, it tells us that we are not promised tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You're not promised the fact. You, you may feel like, you know, I'm just, I just need to go out and live a, live a bit. And I know it's not right, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's this time in my life when I just need to go and I need to run with my enemies a bit. Sow my wild oats. Go and live it up. You have no idea what tomorrow's going to bring. There's no promise that you're going to get back to running with God. Don't run with your enemies. Number four. Sometimes we find ourselves running away from God. And I put this separately and and different from running with your enemies because sometimes you can still be in church, you can still be here, but yet running away from God. Failed expectations in this life, they can be devastating, they can be debilitating uh, to you. It's like, like you're... A balloon that's been blown up, and you start losing your air and deflate. You know, all your dreams are starting to deflate. They can they can send your emotions spinning all these different ways, and you feel as if you're out of control. And you know, this 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 happened to the disciples. Uh, I believe when the crucifixion happened, that things getting kind of crazy in their life. They collectively, kind of all of them, just began to run away from God's plan, back to their old lives. That's where that's where Jesus finds Peter, back in his old life. He's running away from God. John chapter 21, verse 3, it says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. And they say to him, we're going to go with you. So they went forth. They entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. You think that they caught nothing? The fact that they caught nothing was just a mere coincidence? I I don't think it was a coincidence. I think that in his mercy, God was saying to them, I'm not going to allow you to prosper in running away from me. I'm not going to allow you to prosper right now as you are turning your back and trying to go back to your old life. You have been called to a purpose. You have been called. And I want you to know that this life that you've been called to, it's not time to start running away from it. Come on, that calling on your life is too precious. Come on, there's somebody in here who you've got a calling on your life and you've been running from it and God is calling you back to say, stop running away from the calling that I have on you. Come on, it is too precious of a calling for you to just set it aside and to waste, let it waste away. Go and come back to Him. Do not run away from the calling of God on your life. Do not run away from God. That's why in John, just a, a few verses later, uh, verse 9, it says, as soon as they came come to land, 
This is Jesus calling them to land. Jesus had now risen from the dead. He's there. This isn't the first time they've seen him, but, but, but he's there. And he meets them on the, on the seaside, the shore. And he calls them in. It says that as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there. And fish laid thereon and some bread. Psalm 23.5 kind of reminds me of that. It says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup. It runs over. See, the problem with running away from God is you're going to become weary because it's close to God. It's there in His presence that you will find the sustenance, the things that will sustain you. You're running from the calling of God on your life. You know it's going to eat away at you. It's going to, there's something in the back of your mind that says, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. And it's, it becomes weary running this race altogether becomes weary because you're not running in, in the vein that God called you to run in. Come close to God. Come back. Stop running away from Him. Stop running away from the calling. Come to the place where He's prepared a table for you. Come on, you may feel like you failed too many times to get back in the calling of that God has for your life. But he, if He's called you, His calling and His gifts are without repentance. I believe that God, He can bring back and He can build back anything that you feel that you've thrown away and you've trashed and you've made too much of a mess of it. God can call you back to it. Stop running away from the calling that God has on your life. Come to the place. Come to the place where He has prepared the table and say, all right, God, if I can just feast on you, if I can just allow you to begin to feed me again, Lord, then maybe, maybe I can understand that I still have a purpose, I still have a calling. Amen. The last thing, the last thing is that we sometimes run ahead of God. This is exactly what Abraham did. Abraham and Sarah then knew what God's plan was for their life. I believe much more so than oftentimes many of us do, knowing what the plan was for our life. Their plan that God had for their life was that they were going to be the father, the mother of a great nation. That was the plan for their life. We are going to be, we're, 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 we're walking this life, we're walking uh, through life, all of this, claiming territory, not just for us, but we're doing it because God is going to birth out of us a nation. But there's one problem. You have to have a child before you can have a family. And then... A large family, and then a nation. You have to at least have one child, and they didn't have that one child. And so at an old age, Abraham gets ahead of God's plan. He starts running ahead of God. You know the story. I'll read just, just this couple of passages here in Genesis chapter 17, verse 18. And Abraham, he said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Ishmael, the one who he had out of God's plan. He had this with Hagar, um, this, the handmaiden. And he's saying, please let my plan become your plan. I, I know that I'm doing this wrong, but please let my plan become your plan. But because he knows the end from the beginning, God refused to accept his plan. Why? Because 
God wants a supernatural element in our destinies that causes us to be dependent on him. That's why, I believe that's why he gives us destinies that rise above anything that we could possibly produce on our own. That God says, I want you to understand that I was at work. Well, sometimes, I've been talking tonight about the fact that sometimes in your life, it feels as if you're losing the race, but just keep on holding on. The reality is, at the end of the day, you're going to look back. If you keep, if you keep in this life pursuing God, at the end of the day, you're going to look back and you're going to say, how am I blessed with all of this? How am I blessed? And you may look, you may be looking around and it's not about looking at, at all the possessions that you have. How am I blessed with all this? But, but at the end of your life, if you have continued to run the race and you have kept a hold of God in your life, you're going to look and say, God, how am I so blessed at the end of my life that you have sustained me through it all? And there was a supernatural element that God had carried you through. Through the, to the, through the tough times, through it all, that God was gracious. He came and he helped you through every bit of it. And it wasn't because you got ahead of it and you were so smart and, and figured it all out. No, it's because God's hand was working. And I allowed him in his time to allow things to come to fruition. Just finish it out. Genesis chapter 21, verses 9 through 11 says, Sarah Saul, the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking, wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And this thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. See, if you run ahead of God and you produce an Ishmael or two, if you run ahead of God and, and, and you have some plans in your life, some things for your future that you think, uh, you know, that this is what I need to do, and then all of a sudden God starts coming along and tugging at your heart and saying, you need to give up some of these things, these hopes, these futures, these plans that you have built up. If you run ahead for too long, there's a danger that you say, God, your plan's not worth it. You've got to come to a decision moment. You've got to come to it. This is a, a decision moment where you say, all right, am I going to, Continue running ahead of God and pursuing my plans or when God shows me that I'm too far ahead of him and I'm trying to do things on my own and he has another path for me. Am I willing to give up the things that I think are so important in order to follow the plan that God has for me? That's the danger of running ahead of God is that sooner or later your plans are going to clash with his with your spiritual destiny. It's going to force you to choose which path are you going to go on. Lamentations 3, verse 22 through 24 says, It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. Amen. The Lord is with you. And I'm thankful that sometimes He can take the things in my life and it feels as if I've gotten way far ahead of Him. That's exactly what Abraham did got ahead of God, but God had compassion on him, and he still was able to bring him back and push him into the destiny that God had for him. Amen. So how do you keep running this race? We'll finish with this here tonight. I just want to say keep running. Keep running in the right direction. I hope that, I hope that I've touched a heart of somebody tonight that 
that you feel as if your life is, is so messed up and it feels as if things are falling apart and, and it's like you're losing the race, that you're getting too far behind. You're not getting too far behind tonight. Keep running the race. Keep running the race. Don't try to do it on your terms. Don't try to let somebody else set the terms for you. Keep running the race. Keep running the race. Keep it. Keep holding on to Jesus Christ. Don't let go of Him. As long as you have a hold of Him, then you are, are in line for the prize that is coming at the end. Keep running the race. Don't let go of hope. Don't let go of Jesus. Run this race to win. Don't give up hope. Amen. Can we just all stand in this place tonight? Man, as we close this service here tonight, I just want us to pray two, two, two different prayers. Maybe the, the first, maybe you fall into the first category and, and you feel as if you're the one who you need that encouragement tonight to, to continue in the race, to not give up. And I want you, as you extend your hand up, to begin to pray, God, give me the hope. God, help me to win this race. God, help me to get back on track. Or maybe for you, you're the one that God has placed you here tonight. To bring somebody back onto the back into the race, to bring somebody else, to be an encourager of those that are around you, whichever category you may fit in, I want you just to extend a hand up into the air and begin to pray. God, help me, God, or help those around me, Lord. Those, God, that I feel as if maybe, God, they've, they've lost track or they've lost hope, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would help them, Lord, to to realize that this race is worth it, that there is an end, God, that there is a finish line that's coming at some point, God. We're not promised tomorrow, so God, let's take care of today. God, what needs to be taken care of? God, I'm not going to push off for tomorrow. What should be taken care of today? For today is the day of salvation. God, today is the day to get back in the race. God, I'm not going to confuse my circumstances. I'm not going to confuse, God, the chaos that's going around me with feeling like I've lost the race or I'm losing the race. But God, I'm going to continue to hold on to you. God, as long as I have you as number one, God, then I'm winning the race. God, as long as I have you at the center, Lord, I pray, God, for those right now, Lord, who are on the fringes. God, those, God, who have not been faithful, Lord. God, who they haven't been here in some time, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that we, Lord, would reach out, Lord, that we would have a heart for them. God, let us be the ones who would get somebody on back into the field, get somebody back into the race, Lord, I pray, God, for all those right now, God, who they feel like giving up. But Lord, it's not time to give up. God, the time is short. God, I believe the time is short. God, let us be encouragers. God, let us be the ones who are reaching out. God, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. God, I'm not going to give up. Lord, I'm going to continue running the race because I'm in it to win it. God, I'm in it to finish with you. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, I want the prize. I want the prize. I want the prize. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We have so many, so many right now who are at the decision moment, been in that decision moment in their life of whether or not to walk away or to continue to come back. Amen. I hope that you could be open, have your eyes open, have your yourself ready. To reach out to those who are in that place. 
let them know it's not too late. Come back. Well, let's, 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 let's run the race together. I want to be your biggest fan. I'm going to be your biggest fan. Let's run this race together. I think it's beautiful. Some of these moments, I talked about that one who finished the race and he did it coming across that finish line. But I think it's beautiful seeing those other moments where you have somebody that falls and they trip and they can't get back up. And somebody else in the race, I'm sure you've seen it before. Somebody else in the race, they stop their own race that they would have been just fine to finish. And they turn around and they pick them up and they help them to the finish line. Amen. I hope that could be you. I hope that could be us. Amen. That we could go and it says, that's not, it's not about me just leaving you behind so that I can finish my own race, but I want to, I want to finish it with you. Amen. Could you have somebody that you would love that much that you say, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not winning the race if I'm not winning it with you. I mean, I want to win it with you. Amen. Praise God. I could be here all night, but amen. Let's. Whew. You can't be. <laughs> Amen. You can be. We're dismissed tonight. We do have that. Uh...